And sometimes if you are in the stock market, it does feel like a bit of a gamble. And I want you to start talking. <laughs> that was, that's where I was, that was my try. What would you guys think? Um, no, I thought it was all right. <laughs> all right. Is this where I'm going? My, 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 my part of it wasn't great. Well, I that, wanted to get sweet. into something. Okay, so hold on. Maybe you guys can help me work through this. I tried it on my own. Welcome to Retiring Today, the podcast that guides you to and through retirement. I'm Molly Nelson. I'm here with Rochelle Smith, producer, tech guru, cat mom, cheerleader, gamer, movie buff. I could go on. Yeah, good. <laughs> ask, her, ask her what her new game is. Oh, what's your new game? I mean, I've always played Star Wars. Oh, I thought that was a new thing. No, I always play Star Wars. I just don't do it quite as often as I was doing UFC for a while, so. Just swish back and forth. Yep. Now I'm on a Star Wars kick. That's fun. That's a lot of fun. That's a good quarantine activity or a good COVID-19 stay-at-home activity. Yeah. Something I've been really enjoying during this stay-at-home time, and Lauren, I know you've been watching this too because we usually catch up on it uh, here in the office, is the kind of documentary, The Last Dance, which profiles the 97-98 Bulls team because I know you're a huge Bulls fan. Yeah, I grew up with the Bulls, so I grew up watching Michael and Scotty, and and this the, the Last Dance is bringing back a lot of memories, but it's also allowing me some additional insights that I was not aware of at the time. You know, I was pretty young, so I just appreciate <laughs> I just appreciated basketball and the type of basketball that they played, especially Jordan, the athleticism that he brought to the game. Uh, so I enjoyed all of that, but I definitely did not pick up on all the backstory, which is what some of what they're outlining right now. Sounds kind of cool. Yeah, we're seeing a lot about the business side and the decisions that went into it and getting some insight into some of the uh, interesting things that happened on the road trips. And I was just in awe of, you know, the back of the bus card games and the front of the bus card games. So, so Will Purdue, this is what he said, in the front of the bus, it was BJ Armstrong and Will Purdue playing blackjack for one or $2 a hand. And in the back of the bus, it was Michael Jordan. And I don't remember which player, so I don't want to, you know, say without it being accurate, right. playing for thousands of dollars a hand. And it's just really hard to imagine uh, seeing that. Well, just think about the the experiences. I mean, how cool is it to be a part of, of an organization like the NBA, right, at the absolute top level, being a part of a championship game, but then also just happening to be around the sport and the team at the same time, Michael Jordan. And you get to, you know, you get to tell those stories, that experience to your kids and your grandkids. And, you know, I just think that would be really neat, something that you can share with really everybody because everybody knows Michael Jordan and everybody wants to hear these types of stories around Michael Jordan. And a few were there and you got to see it firsthand what an experience that would be in addition to just being a part of the NBA and the championship team. So in today's episode we're talking about the stock market and Lauren do you have your crystal ball do you know when when will the volatility end tell us what's the date what's the time what's the hour it's been working pretty well so far but that it's a little fuzzy a little fuzzy it's you can't time the market. No one can. Clearly, if you could time the market to the, you know, to the exact date and time, 
we'd all be millionaires. Yeah, I mean, life would be different for everybody, and uh, the market probably wouldn't exist, right? Because in order for the market to exist, there has to be a buyer and there has to be a seller, and everybody wants to buy at the same time, it's not going to work. And if everybody wants to sell at the same time, it's not going to work. So the uh, there has to be some kind of efficiencies involved in the market, and, and that's what the market is really good at, uh, is exploiting the inefficiencies of buyers and sellers. And I heard you say something really interesting in our Facebook lives uh, every Tuesday morning at 9 a.m. Central Time. Lauren does a Merkle Market update where he talks about basically what's going on with the stock market, what's going on uh, with your retirement. And he gives some really neat actionable steps that you can take uh, and at least think about as you think about your retirement vision. And you said this, Lauren, you said market motions force us into emotions. What did you mean by that? What I mean by that is the market motion is the movement of the market. And and this is a really good example. I mean, March, the month of March this year was the most volatile year that or month that we've had since the Great Depression. And then we couple that or follow that up with April, which was one of the best months performance wise that we've had in decades. So we had one of the worst months that we've had since the Great Depression, and one of the best months immediately following one of the worst. And and that's not an uncommon phenomenon, by the way. Now, it might not always work out exactly. This month was really bad. This month was really good. Maybe it's this quarter was really bad, and then this quarter was really good. And what we've been seeing a lot recently is this day was really bad. When, you know, this day was down 2,000 points. And then immediately the next day, it was up 1,500 points. It's just the the type of volatility that we're seeing right now, we have never seen in our lifetimes because it does take us all the way back to the Great Depression before we've seen this. And we hear those comparisons to the Great Depression, and that's scary because, you know, our kind of historical context is growing up seeing some photos of people waiting in long lines for a loaf of bread, and and it was just a, a different time. But the difference is, first off, we haven't gone to depression. Depression, I want to make that very clear. But the length of the down market lasted a lot longer in in that year and then also in 2008, correct? Yes, that's, that is very correct. And that's where the motion incites emotion is because we know it could get much, much worse. And we just don't know how bad it's going to be. And it's that uncertainty that creates that fear, it creates that anxiety. And then what it does is it creates a desire in people to make moves that they, they know they probably shouldn't make. But they're thinking about going to cash because they just want to stop the bleeding. They don't know how bad it's going to get. And then they rationalize it in their mind. They say, I know I shouldn't go to cash because I might miss out on the up. But I do know if I go to cash, then at least it's certain. I have a certain outcome, which is I know I'm not going to lose anymore. And you, you turn on the news and, and you see what the pictures, Molly, that you met, referenced from the Great Depression, you see that. It's like, how bad is this thing really going to get? This is something we have never seen before. So is it going to go back to what our great-grandparents saw? And cash creates certainty. And uh, in these types of times, people are looking for certainty. And a little bit more historical context, maybe investors haven't had to think about cash because for 11 years... The stock market 
right year over year was experiencing gains. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, we've been in the midst of an 11-year bull run where we've just seen unprecedented growth. And people haven't really had to, to experience hardly any volatility. I mean, we had a little bit of volatility in 2015, maybe a little bit in 2013. But for the most part, it was a pretty smooth ride. Uh, and that was that was a ride that we just really got accustomed to. We were spoiled. But if we put that in the context of the down that we've seen this year, and, and this is another thing, is, uh, you know, so sometimes when we go through this type of volatility, people tend to freeze. You know, we hear this sentiment when when the markets are down, don't do anything. Basically, just kind of close your eyes, fall asleep, wake up one day and things are going to be back up. And that's not necessarily a healthy sentiment or a route to go either. And if we put this in perspective, if we look back just 12 months from now, then we're only down about 2%. So we feel like we're down 20% from the absolute highs. But if we just look 12 months back, we're only down about 2%. If we look back three years, then we're actually up about 22%. If we look back five years, we're up 39%. And then Molly, look what you were talking about. If we look back 10 years, we've had 147% growth. Wow. So are we really down? It's about perspective and about, it's about the time horizon. We've had unprecedented growth. So most likely you have unprecedented growth in your portfolio. And if we look at it from that context, the long range context, because you're not investing for month over month, you're investing for your retirement. You're investing for 10 years from now, 20 years from now. So we need to look at this in a broader context to make sure that the decisions you are making are healthy for you, not only now in the short term, but also in the long term. And we, uh, you know, this, this short-term volatility oftentimes creates decisions that we otherwise regret. And that's part of our job as retirement planners is to paint a picture, a realistic picture to our, to our families that we work with to make sure that they have the full picture when they're making these types of lifelong decisions. That's some good perspective as we tackle today the main things that we want you to learn, and that is what to do if you have gone to cash, what perspective you should have on market timing, how to take profits off the table, and how to understand risk clarity. So Lauren, let's get started with what to do if you've gone to cash, because we know that emotions do drive some of these decisions. So some people listening are going, I, I hear that maybe I shouldn't have done that, but I did it. I thought the bottom was still going to be coming. I didn't realize it was going to go back up like this in April. I've gone to cash. What would you tell those people? Every time we go through a bear market, I mean, th this reminds me of the last one we went through in 2008. We see people go to cash all the time, which means they're selling their bonds, they're selling their stocks, and they're going to some kind of money market, stable value fund, or some, some kind of cash e equivalent. Well, what happens today when they go to a cash type of investment, what's cash making us? If we put our money at the bank, what's it, what's it making us? Not much. Very, very little. Some, some, some banks, some types of accounts, not, nothing at all. So we're, we're not having any type of opportunity in the upside. But the pe reason people do that is because they realize that the downside opportunity isn't there also. And that's really what they're concerned about. But when they go to cash, what they're doing is they're making, they're forcing themselves to make two good decisions. One is they have to get out when it's not at the bottom. And the question mark is, is when is the bottom? Nobody ever knows when the bottom is. Otherwise, this would be really easy. And the other one is when should they get back in, right? When should they get back in? And that's the hard decision for a lot of people. So let's take this, this time frame into consideration. People have gone to cash. 
and they think it's going to get worse. February uh, 19th was the top of the market. So maybe they go to cash in, in the midst of March when it was really volatile, really bad. And now it's come up from then. The market has come up from then. At the, at the peak down, it, we were down 30% from the top. Right now we're down about 18%. So it's come up. Is it going to go back down or is it going to continue to go up? If it goes back down, it gets really ugly. And then all this negative sentiment comes back into the, the mediums that people enjoy. Are they going to get back into the market then when it's even worse than when they got out the first time? Probably not. You know, they're looking for some sign that tells them good news is coming to get back in. So they wait and they wait and they wait. And then the market is very predictive. So the market's not waiting for the good news. They're waiting for a time when they think they're going to have a prevailing opportunity ahead of them. And oftentimes that comes prior to all this good news, all the good sentiment. But retail investors, they're waiting for more certainty. They're waiting for the volatility to level out. They're waiting for somebody to tell them the economy's not going to crumble. It's not going to crash. And the businesses are going to reopen and they're going to reopen in a substantial way where they're going to be able to make it. Well, once that already happens, the market has rebounded and then the market is way ahead of them. And are they going to go and are they going to reinvest at that point? So now the market has, we're about 18% down now, but now we're not down and we're hitting all time highs again. Are they going to get back in at that point at all time highs? No, they're not. They're going to continue to wait. And, and that's the phenomenon that we see almost every bear market or recession. We saw it in 2008 as well. Then people waited four, five, six years before they got back in. And then they missed most of that growth. Yeah. And you have some good numbers that gets to kind of our second point, which is market timing and, and trying to do that in perspective. Though this has felt like a really long two months, we do know that staying in the market over time can be advantageous. Yeah. And there's all kinds of studies out there that, uh, that basically prove that. The one that I saw just the other day was through CNBC. And they look at a period of time from January 1st of 2000 to the end of 2019. So there's 5,035 trading days during that 20-year time horizon. And what they said is that if you if you just stayed invested in the S&P 500 through the good times, through the bad times, you were stayed invested every single one of those days, then you would have averaged over a 6% rate of return over that 20-year time frame. But if you missed just the best 10 days, then your average rate of return gets cut by more than half. And if you miss just the 20 best days in that time horizon of the 5,035 days, just, just the best 20, then you actually average a negative return. So you go from a, a, over a 6% average to negative by missing just the top 20 days out of 5,035. And that's why market timing is so, so difficult because usually what we see is the best days immediately follow some of the worst days. And there's another study that was done also by CNBC. And what this looks at is since 1990, of all the quarters that experienced a drop of more than 10%, there were 11 quarters since 1990. And then they looked at the immediate quarter that followed that quarter that was down over 10%. And every single one of them except for two had a positive return that following quarter. So in, uh, in fourth quarter of 2008, 
that was a little bit longer of a recession. So in fourth quarter of 2008, it was down 22%. In first quarter of 2009, it was down 11%. So that didn't work out. And in quarter two of 2002 was down 13. And then quarter three of 2002 was down 17. So that didn't work out either. But every single other time, that following quarter was up. And most of those quarters were up in a really healthy way. Yeah, nearly double digits on most of those numbers. Yeah, so it's it's market timing is extremely difficult. And that's why it's about how much time you spend in the market and not trying to time the market. A couple of years ago, I think it was in November... You started talking to the families at Merkel Retirement Planning about taking some profits on the table because at that point we're at a nine or 10 year bull market. And I think you, of course, no one predicted any of this. We're not claiming that we knew the no, coronavirus no, no. were coming. No, no claims of that at all. Were a lot of people saying there would be some kind of recession at some point? Yes, of course. They thought the bear might be coming. So families uh, here at Merkel Retirement Plan started taking some profits off the table. Now, we can't go back two years and start doing that now if you didn't do it, but I think there's something to learn from that. Yeah, November of 2017 is when we really started to talk about taking profits off the table. And it's not because that we knew the Corona was going to happen or we were going to go through some recession. We just anticipated there's going to be some volatility in the marketplace for whatever reason. You know, at the time there's a lot of international conflict. Uh, there's so that creates international uncertainty. Uh, we knew the elections were coming up. All this stuff creates uncertainty, which the markets don't like, which does influence the type of volatility that we have. And then any other event like a Corona obviously is going to increase that volatility as well. So what we did is we started taking profits off the table and putting some money into a safe place and waiting for this type of volatility where we could take the money. Not only is that safe place money not impact us in a negative way when we go through this volatility because we didn't lose any money on that portion of the portfolio. But now we can take a piece of that at a time and dollar cost average it back into the market when it's low. What everybody tells us as far as how to make money in the market is buy low, sell high. high. It's just nobody ever does it. They just ride the roller coaster of the market. Now, you guys out there listening, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, well, didn't you just say market timing is not a good way to go? But you're trying to tell me that you were market timing since 2017, late 2017. So, so let's clarify that. Okay. What we, were t what we did is what I call micro market timing, right? So we're taking a piece, a smaller piece of the portfolio and saying, let's just protect it a little bit and wait for a time where, where the market is at a better buying price. And then we can buy back into it at that point. When we look at the entire portfolio, what's really important is that the amount of risk that you're taking is appropriate not only to accomplish the goals that you have on your side, the goals that you're trying to achieve, but also that the amount of risk that you're taking doesn't, it doesn't put you in jeopardy of, of, of blowing up your retirement plan if the market goes through a time frame like it does right now. So number one criteria, if we go through a volatile time like this or we go through a recession like a 2008, your risk cannot blow up your retirement plan. But you also have to take enough risk to achieve the goals that you're trying to accomplish as well. So with these micro market timing moves that we made, we didn't change the risk profile, right? The total portfolio risk profile was still aligned with what it is they were trying to accomplish, not blow up and then earn a reasonable return. Except for there were some people that we had this conscious conversation and, and they said, I'm really nervous and let's take some risk off the table, but let's take a little bit more. 
Now, we still made sure that their portfolio aligned with their risk objectives, but we did decrease risk. Maybe they were a little bit more aggressive than what they needed to. Certainly, they were a little bit more aggressive than what they feel comfortable with. But that's part of the conversations that we need to be having on a consistent basis. And we always talk about that is every single year you need to be talking about how much risk are you taking? Are you comfortable with it? And does it align with your goals? And we use technology to help identify that. And we have really, really crystal clear conversations around it. We stay away from the conversation of, are you conservative? Are you still moderate, right? Are you aggressive? Because nobody really knows what that means. So we say you have a $500,000 portfolio based on the way you're currently invested. We go through an environment like we're going through right now, that portfolio is going to drop by $50,000. Are you still okay with that? Right. And we just check in all the time and say, are you still OK? Here's how you are invested. Are you OK with that? Just to make sure everybody's on the same page. So the people that back to the current environment took some of those or back to the current environment, those people that did go to cash, they can sort of employ this strategy, too, by maybe slowly getting back into the market. Yeah, I mean, inevitably, you're going to have some people that want to go to cash. And with with the families that we that we serve, you know, out of. You know, we had two people, unfortunately, that decided they just couldn't take the pain and they went to cash. That's going to happen. So that's less than one half of 1%. I'm pretty proud of that. But at the same time, there's two people that I feel like they made a decision that they're probably going to regret. So now we need to create a re-entry plan, right? A re-entry plan that they feel comfortable with, a re-entry plan that's actually going to enable them to accomplish their goals. So what that might look like is, and we can use this market volatility to our advantage, Okay. So we realized that we probably shouldn't have gotten out, but we got caught up in the heat of the moment. March, March was crazy. No harm, no foul, as long as we can correct it within a reasonable amount of time. So we say, let's take a piece of this portfolio that's sitting in cash, and let's get into it on the down days. So when the market is down, and we, the market might be down 500 points, it might be down 1,000 points, right? It's really a really wicked market, so let's take advantage of it. It's really down. Let's take a piece of it, and let's get back in. And let's be patient. Let's let's wait for another really wicked day. Let's take another piece. Let's get back in, right? So we can use this to our advantage. And the whole way, we're, we're not just doing this haphazardly, right? So what we have to do is we have to have the conversation of what does the end game look like for the portfolio before we start this? So where do we want to end up? Obviously, we were too aggressive for your comfort level before, okay? So where do we want to end up now and then systematically when it makes sense in the opportune times with the market uh, declines, let's get a piece at a, uh, into it at a time. And then within a relatively reasonable short period of time, we'll have it reinvested. And I have to think how much you put back into the market, the timing of how much you put into cash has a lot to do with how far out from retirement you are. Well, it can, but not certainly all the time. I mean, there, there's some people who are 20 years away from retirement. And they say, enough's enough. I, don't, I, I know you're telling me I have a long time horizon. I know you're telling me this doesn't really matter to me right now, but I don't care. I'm seeing my life savings erode, and let's just move it to some place I know it's going to be safe. So we, there, there are people who, regardless of their time horizon, they just say, enough's enough. Are a lot of people having bonds conversations right now? What's what's the outlook there? Bonds can be a part of the conversation. The interesting thing about the environment we're in now uh, is interest rates are going down, which means bond prices are going up, which means the bonds that people actually hold right now are losing money as well. 
So stock prices are going down. Bond, the bonds they hold, the, those prices are going down, and they're seeing their portfolio melt away from them. And that's why, you know, the old, the old school, the 1990 old school 60% equity, 40% bond portfolio doesn't work for pre-retirees and retirees. It's just not good enough. You have to be more diversified than that. Uh, and there's a whole list of alternatives that you can use within your portfolio that are not correlated from a performance standpoint to bonds and stocks. And what that means is that when bonds are going up and stocks are going up, maybe this is staying the same. When bonds are going down, more importantly, bonds are going down, stocks are going down, then maybe it's going up or staying the same, right? So it's, it's not moving like stocks and bonds are, which helps make the portfolio, portfolio performance more predictable, but it also helps us create more of that recession-resistant portfolio as well. 1990 makes me think of the Bulls. 91 was the first championship. Do you think Jordan was in a 60-40, or should we be concerned about uh, his retirement plan? I'm pretty sure Jordan was thinking about the ninth hole betting $100,000 a putt. <laughs> Can you imagine it? It's crazy. Crazy. Maybe you've gone to cash. Maybe you're still in the stock market. You might have lots of questions. Well, here is a neat opportunity. You can schedule a 15-minute retirement checkup call directly with Lauren. Go to MerkleRetire.com. That's M-E-R-K-L-E, Retire.com. And the neat thing is, is it doesn't matter which state you live in. I mean, one of the biggest sentiments that we hear is, you know, some, somebody listens to our, t or our podcast, somebody watches our TV show and they say, why is my advisor not talking to me about those types of things? I've been with my advisor for 20 years and he's not talking to me about this type of stuff. And the reason why is because most advisors are accumulation specialists. Whereas what we do at Merkle Retirement Planning is we focus on the pre-retiree retiree plans, meaning that when, when you're two years from retirement, you're thinking about things that are completely different than you've ever thought about before. You want to talk about how to maximize your social security strategies. The up to 81 different options that you may have is really confusing. So what is the best combination for you? You want to talk about how to cover this long-term care risk, how to, how to deliver the income you need at point of retirement and 20 years later in retirement. Those are all the things that you want to talk about. And that's why we only focus on the pre-retirees and the retirees and develop the written comprehensive plans. Now there's 470,000 advisors in the country. Only 6% of us focus on these types of strategies. So it's hard to get this information, but with technology today, it's really easy. So the podcast goes all, all over the place. Uh, phone calls work all over the place as well. So it doesn't matter whether you're in Alaska, you're in Maine, you're in California. We have clients all over the place and we have conversations with people all over the country. So the 15-minute uh, the retirement checkup phone call is a really good opportunity just to have a conversation. What are you concerned about? What are some of the things you're concerned about with your specific situation uh, and what might your retirement plan look like? And we don't charge anything for the phone call. MerkleRetire.com. That's M-E-R-K-L-E, Retire.com. Here, Lauren, say something about the TV show. You can go to YouTube. Just type in Merkle Retirement Planning. You can check out some episodes of our TV show right on there. You can find the specific stuff you're interested in and find episodes that we've done on that. And we'll continue to talk about your retirement vision on this podcast. It's Retiring Today. And we thank you for listening. Merkle Retirement Planning is an independent financial services firm helping individuals create retirement strategies using a variety of investments and insurance products to custom suit their goals and objectives. 
Any information discussed in these shows is for educational purposes only and should not be construed as investment, tax, or legal advice. Investment advisory services are offered through Elite Retirement Planning, LLC. Insurance services are offered through MRP Insurance, LLC. Because I, uh, I wanted to get into something about, like, you can't predict, you know, kind of like the stock market. I like gambling because a lot of people are. Well, I mean, there's that sentiment. I mean, you do hear that from time to time, and I could go somewhere with that. But maybe I was just still thinking back about how lame my contribution to that thing was. <clears throat> I wanted you to imagine playing cards with Michael Jordan, and you're like, yeah. I'm like, you didn't get excited at all when I asked you to play cards with Michael Jordan. I mean, can't you? I realize you haven't and won't, but can you imagine it? Yeah. <clears throat> Okay. Well, I was just thinking about all these. <laughs> that was the same reaction as the first time. <laughs> yeah. Hey. I, <laughs> Come on. Come on. Let's go. Well, all I was thinking about is the, uh, you know, what I was thinking about is, uh, <laughs> do you guys want to know what I was thinking about? I don't know for sure, but just try it. <laughs>